listening to Brave Girls Club. Brave Girls Club. I'm Lindsay. I'm Kelly. And I'm Krista. And this is a podcast. And we're so excited about it. We're sorry about last week. Oh, yeah. There was a, we had some technical difficulties, but you know what? We're here and we're uh, doing it over again. We're trying our best. We're trying our best. Living our best lives. Living our best lives. Out here in the dirty D. The dirty D. The desert. Yeah. That's what people call it, I think. Yeah. People call it that. Yeah. yeah. I have never heard that. Because remember when Beavis and Butthead came back <laughs> on oh, MTV yeah. and there was that song that it's so cold in the D. And like people like that song, <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure they were talking about Detroit in the show. But for some reason, everybody, I mean, I don't know. That's just when I started hearing it I was know. when that, that song was really familiar. Big. Can you sing that again, please? It's so cold in the day. Wow. <laughs> That's a good song. Now it's coming back to me. We should cover it. Yeah, let's cover it. <laughs> Um, so I finally got around to watch The Keepers. The Keepers. Mm. So we've all seen it? So yes. we've all seen it. It's more than a nun. Yeah, I was uh, not expecting that. Yeah, it was not what I thought it was going to be. It's dark. Spoiler alert. Yeah, from here on out, there will be spoilers. It's so fucked up. If you haven't seen it turn this off or if you don't care i usually don't care about spoilers i'll be like i want to know yeah they usually don't help myself when people say spoiler alert i'm like tell me bitch (laughs) (laughs) try me uh what about the keepers yeah what are we gonna talk about it? do you guys think that uh what was her name dawn do you think that dawn actually saw the body my mom asked me that and i say yes i think that she did do you not think that she did? I, I have no clue. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like yeah. I'm left with more questions than answers. Suppressed memory is yeah. so frightening and kind of dubious, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's like a scary thought, like yeah. as a person, you know, to wake up one day and th- remember something and be like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's so freaky. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine forgetting that I saw a dead body. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. It's very I think strange. When you're just, like, put under so many traumatic things yeah. one after the other that eventually you just block things out, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so messed up. Yeah. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. I was like crying. It was really sad. And I don't really cry at like shows, but that one got me. I was like crying. I got got too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you got got. Did Eric got got? Yeah, I was actually, um, he came in during like episode two or three. So he didn't even like see the first couple of episodes uh-huh. and i was ready to go to bed but he like made me stay up until like one or two in the morning to watch the whole Aww. thing with, with him i thought episode two was like the craziest one yeah episode two is it just like the takes like one. such a like left yeah turn that's why okay because nowhere. i tried watching it when it first came out and i watched like 
not even the full first episode because at the end of the first episode is when you're like oh this is gonna turn into something else yeah, it, t- it took me two tries to watch the and first episode. And I was like, episode. okay, this is like kind of boring, but... Uh... If you have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> The Keepers is a Netflix docuseries that's, I think, seven episodes long? Seven or eight, yeah. Seven or eight episodes long. And it's about this uh, nun who was murdered in 1969, and the case has gone unsolved since. And there's like um, these amateur sleuths out there that are like these two older retired ladies. They're so badass. They're so they were so her cool. Students, the nun students. Yes. Yeah. And so the nun taught in like a public school, and they were like her old students from back when she was killed. And they're like trying to figure out what happened to her, and it's. Got so many twists and turns. I'm going to watch it again. I want to watch it all over There's like conspiracy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's, it's just a very strange crime with a lot of clues that go along with it. Mm -hmm. And some reason it never got solved. Is there going to be a season two or? I have no idea. I don't think so. Is there anything else to? I don't know. There, I I feel like there's lots of stuff that could be explored. Like it ends on kind of a cliffhanger. I think the creepy Edmund guy. I think out of everyone who's in the show, I feel like he's the most likely. The to have one done Edmund. Who, Which one was that? They interviewed old, him. The old like super senile guy. The one the with, one like, that no they interviewed. Teeth. Yeah. Yeah. He was spooky. Yeah. With he like the spooky. children's toys in his house. Yeah. Yeah, that he was seemed weird. Very like he didn't understand yeah. the questions almost yeah, that he, his, was being asked. He's mm-hmm. not all there anymore. So and that one part, ooh, that one part with the nuns in the attic. In the attic. Oh, oh that, that got me. Creepy. That got me. I was like, <gasps> "This is a horror movie." Yeah, it's pretty spooky. Go watch it. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's just watch good. it, <laughs> and just power through the first episode because yeah. it took me two tries, but it's, it's worth not, it. I mean, like, I just. Was like okay, seven seven episodes about some nun that got murdered. Like, is this really gonna? But you gotta, yeah, you gotta just just start on episode two. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, don't. No, don't. Yeah, you gotta know the facts. Yeah, it it starts off kind of slow, but it's worth it. All those poor girls. Oh, yeah. Go watch it. Yeah. Uh, The nun's name was Sister Kath. Sesnick. Catherine Sesnick. She was a badass. She she was. was, It seemed like. Yeah, she was. She was not afraid to let anybody know, like, hey, Mm -hmm. I know what the fuck you're doing. Mm -hmm. I see you. And then someone was like, well, she's going to have to kill you now. Yeah. She got got. She seems really cool. Do we want to talk about some effed up news stories from the week? Yes, we do. Please do. (laughs) So there's news stories of the week. Dab. (laughs) (laughs) There's the uh, Chicago schoolgirl hacked Uber driver to death with machete and knife stolen from Walmart. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, no, it's awful, but it's weird. Chicago, 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 shite town, the windy city. Never been. Me either, but I want to go. They have a great DIY scene. They I've also um, have a really cool Halloween expo every year that I always see that I want to go to. We should go. So basically, she like 
is the 16-year-old girl she called an Uber. She got in the back seat. They started driving, and she started stabbing him to death with a machete and a knife. Who does this girl think she is? <laughs> Do we have any follow-up stories about this girl? Yeah. Like, what is wrong with her? I just have this article that I think you sent it, right, Krista? Or I was think it Aaron? Aaron? I think Aaron sent it. Well, pretty crazy. Uh, the Uber driver's dead. Yeah, he died. He's dead. And what's going to happen to her now? Whatever happens when 16-year-old girls hack Uber drivers to death. Which is? I mean, it depends on whether she's going to be tried as an adult or not, or if she has any, like, mental illness problems. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, like, I don't get why, just like some rant. Did he, did she know him? I don't think so. I wonder. I have a feeling that she was just... It, it seems like like a mental break sort of thing. Like she Cause, snapped. Because she just went into Walmart, stole some machetes. <laughs> like she just picked him up and walked out yeah. with him. Nonchalantly. What the hell? And no up, one was going to stop her. Because um, she has a machete. She's got a machete. Mm -hmm. So that one's weird. She's a cute little blonde girl, isn't she? Mm -hmm. Little 16-year-old yep. just walking into Walmart. Just doing it. Stabbing away. Girls testify about sex abuse by man who got them as gift. Did you guys read that I did one? Read that Wait, one. what? I sent that one. Okay, that's the one I sent. Do you want to talk about it? Um, no, you already have it pulled up. Okay, do it. <laughs> I don't really remember the details. So basically, it's these daughters ranging from nine years old to eighteen. Uh, they testified last Thursday about this guy who received them as a gift from their father because <gasps> the guy like helped their family out financially. And so their dad like gave them to this guy and the oldest daughter has had two kids with him. And they were like, it oh. was like a weird sex cult. Yeah. Like when, where? Oh, hmm. it was recent. Very recent. Like this article, I just saw it a couple days ago. <clears throat> yeah, like this is so like it's the trials happening. But where did it, where did it happen? Uh, that's what I'm looking for. I don't see it. Wow, probably the Midwest. I'm just gonna go ahead and guess. It says NBC Los Angeles. That's the website, but I'm not seeing. What's what... the guy's name? I forget. Lee Donald Kaplan. Mm, yep, the three names. He's a criminal. Yeah. yeah, the That's three you know. names. Just what like is with that? Sarah Michelle Geller. Criminal. Sarah <laughs> Arrest her. <laughs> Get her. All right. Book them, boys. What else happened? A grandmother sought in fatal stabbing of infant allegedly spotted in Victorville. What, that what? happened Represent. here. Woo! <laughs> Represent. <laughs> uh, Represent. I feel like that one. That's uh, my hometown. Speaks for itself. A lady murdered a baby in Colton, and then she was seen, was it Monday? This Monday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in Victorville. Driving around. She also stabbed her daughter? Grandchildren, oh. an, uh, her other grandchildren, and then um, her daughter stabbed her as well. Oh. A woman dies after falling off a golf cart onto wine glasses. Which is how we all want to go, yeah. honestly. What did Angel say in the chat? She maybe? said, that's how I fucking go. That's it. That's the way. <laughs> that yep. was funny. It's in 
The last story happened in Pennsylvania. So mm, okay. just yeah. looked it up. All right. And I kind of wanted to mention that uh, the Babadook is a gay icon. <laughs> and I love it. I saw it on Tumblr. Yeah. Pretty, you know, pretty the Babadook. The internet. Serving up looks. If you've looks. been seeing that around the internet, it's because uh, Netflix recommended Babadook as a gay and lesbian mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. So people have ran with it, and I love it. Iconic. (laughs) Iconic. At first I was like... I hope there's a picture of someone at Pride this weekend dressed as as the Babadook. There's that drag performance Mm -hmm. of that drag queen doing the Babadook thing. It's it's gotta be. It's super creepy, but it's really good. And at first when I heard about it, I was like... um, should a metaphor for mental illness really be like a thing that's representing gay people? But then I was like, a gay man can be whatever he wants to be. Mm-hmm. He could be a metaphor. He could be a basement monster. He could be a bug eater. Mm-hmm. He can do whatever he wants. He can float and wear a hat if he wants. <laughs> what? So yeah, that's where the is Bobaduk. this podcast going? I- <laughs> I liked what you said earlier about like the new acronym like oh. LGBTQ. Uh, yeah. yeah. So because the original one it was replacing bisexual with Babadook the LGBT, yeah. but I feel like that's like some bi erasure shit going on. Yeah. And we already have enough of that. Mm-hmm. So I like the inclusion of LGBTQ, lesbian, mm-hmm. gay, bisexual, Babadook, queer, and also it would like promote more gay barbecues to happen which sounds awesome i'm 100 here for that but i also realized that i left out the t in that one so it would have to be l l g t b b q that's yeah that's fine that's fine Mm -hmm. awesome isn't doesn't the q stand for questioning questioning or queer oh doesn't matter i don't know i think it changes all the time oh i've never heard it that way but you've never heard it queer no questioning oh you never heard it queer. <laughs> you never heard that queer. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. Should we start with the thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. And the things and the other things. I and always forget things. that we're doing this like in the middle. I know of we're us just doing this. It just feels like we're hanging out Krista's talking bedroom, just, just holding things, <laughs> nonsense. Oh goodness. Should I start? Yeah. You go oh, for yeah. it. Yeah. I did last time. Yeah. Your story sure. is the bomb. Thank you. Okay. Um. Okay. <laughs> Boy. Girl. Tell your fucking story, dude. But it's funny. Okay. Um. So my story. Whoa. Okay. Sorry. I got like really loud. Um. My story is about John Thomas Jamelisk. And um, for the fact that I have a hard time saying his last name, I'm calling him James throughout this story. And, um, so, uh, this man is a serial kidnapper and rapist. And, um, so this is the story of that. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah. It's real exciting. Um, get the tissues ready for the tears. Yeah. I did. For the tears. We only. have some only tears. Yeah. Alec is going to share with <laughs> yeah. us yeah. his roll of toilet paper that he has <laughs> yeah. on my desk right now. Malik has a runny nose, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's okay. Uh, also, Malik has a fidget spinner. 
And he smoked three cigarettes out of the holes. Fucking edgy. (laughs) Dab. Okay. Anyway, so back to my (laughs) awful story. Born Maine. This is just, I'm just weird tonight, guys. I'm off to a bad start. Okay. Okay. Born May 9th, 1935, James had a rather normal upbringing in upstate New York. He grew up and married a school teacher and had three sons and worked in a grocery store, later becoming a handyman and carpenter. I couldn't really find much on his childhood. I looked at many different uh, internet's webs and I couldn't really find that much. I don't know if he was bumped on his head or, um, you know, had a bad mom or something <laughs> like that. Probably. Just yeah. throw it out there. Yeah, probably, probably both. Um, so we're going to start with his first kidnapping in October, 1988. James abducted his first victim, a 14 year old native American girl. She was held captive for over two years and had turned 17 by the time of her release. James compelled her to his will by threatening violence against her younger brother She made no attempt to report to authorities after James released her. In either 1995 or 1996, James abducted 14-year-old Latina runaway whom he lured under the premise of paying her to deliver a secret package. The girl willingly walked into his bunker, which he called the dungeon. Mm. And James closed the door behind her. Eventually, James put a blindfold on her and drove her to her mother's apartment and dropped her off. Although her family was also threatened, she went to the police with a description. Because of her previous drug use, they questioned the, the credibility of her story and dropped the investigation shortly after. Because everybody in this world fucking sucks. Do you know how long either of those ladies were kept for? The first one was, um, she was, uh, uh, captured when she was 14 and, uh, let out when she was 17. Oh my God. Holy sh! Wow. That is a long time. And he yeah. just lets them he go. Just, yeah. Afterwards? He just lets them go. He didn't murder. Well, at least of that we know he didn't, um, murder any of these girls. That's wild and brave. He would just, like, let him go. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy that he didn't get caught immediately. Yeah. 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 So, on August 31st, 1997, James kidnapped a 53-year-old Vietnamese woman off of the street. She was a foreign refugee who spoke little English. He forced her into his car and took her to an abandoned house where he raped her. Then he tied her to a stack of flattened cardboard boxes and drove her to his house. During her captivity, she was raped daily and was also forced to fulfill various um, tasks for James. She was released on May 23rd, 1998 at a Greyhound bus station with $50. She reported to the police that day, but nothing came of it. She claimed that the police did not believe her 
but Syracuse police spokesman Sergeant Thomas Connellan uh, stated that they that they investigated all leads, leads which uh, none of them panned out. I'm so sure. How do you not investigate the lead of the witness telling you who it is I know. and where he is? This whole story is like the dumbest bullshit of all time. <sighs> okay. On May 11th, 2001... 2001 we've come so far what the first one was 1988 yeah and now we're in 2001 that's real cute <laughs> what? that's real cute it's not cute all right on may 11th 2001 a 26 year old caucasian woman walking down in downtown syracuse while on lsd was offered a ride home by james which the woman accepted due to the poor weather. James took her back to his bunker where he raped her daily. When she resisted, James inflicted cigar burns on her from which she developed an abscess on her lower back. Oh, God. James also manipulated her uh, with claims that he was actually part of an underground slavery type of situation of which the police were a part of yeah spooky the victim wanted to write home to her parents letting them know she was alive and while james did agree she could only do so in stating that she was in a drug rehabilitation clinic <sighs> fuck this guy <laughs> speechless in october 2002 James picked up his final uh, abductee, a 16-year-old African-American runaway from Syracuse. On April 3rd, 2003, James felt confident enough to take the girl out to karaoke at a local bar. It was Ricky's. No. No. <laughs> um, he then took her to another public outing froggies where she stopped <laughs> where she slipped away from him long enough to phone her sister yes get it girl the girl's sister checked the caller id and dialed the number back which turned out to be a bottle return center located in manlu manluis manlus whatever somewhere in new york uh the older sister persuaded the employee who answered the phone to call 911 the employee in turn called her boss who was working at a local pet store several blocks away telling him that james who was scheduled to visit him at the store uh shortly had apparently kidnapped a young girl and had been raping her after james and the girl had made their visit and left the boss immediately called the police james was tracked down and arrested shortly thereafter finally finally it's finally too fucking late. in 2003 it's too fucking late He's they been did gone for 15 job. years. And how many victims is this? Four or five? Um, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Over the course of 15 years. Yep. And those are just the ones that we know about. Yep. There could be more. Yeah, there could there could definitely be more. 
<sighs> so you want to get to the gross stuff now or what? Yeah. yeah. Sure. That wasn't the gross stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah. The grosser stuff. This this is the grosser stuff. Police found James's residence to be systematically filled with miscellaneous items of little or no value. Newspapers, magazines, beer bottles, receipts spanning two decades, etc. Further down into the basement, behind a storage shelf, police discovered the bunker in which James kept his victims. A steel door leading to an eight-foot-long tunnel, which had to be um, traveled on by hands and knees. A fucking nightmare. Oh, my God. Leading to yet another steel door, which finally led to an eight-feet-high... 24 feet long and 12 feet wide room the entry was a small box located under the top of the room so the person entering had to turn around and step down into the room via a small three rung ladder this is a nightmare james would tie his victims up with a chain that connected to an ankle bracelet Ugh. The dungeon had many things written on the wall, most notably religious phrases as well as numerous peace symbols. When police found the dungeon, they contacted one of the known victims to link James to her testimony by asking what three words were written on the wall. She correctly responded, wall of thugs. Don't know what that's all about. Yeah, he sounds he crazy. Sounds, yeah. He sounds like he's not all there. A crucifix hung by the door next to, quote, peace to all who enter here, as well as the words hate um, and bring on the pain in deep crimson. Super scary. Um, in the center of the room was a stained bathtub on top of a raised wooden deck. It was here that the victims were forced to bathe using a garden hose. There was a drain plug, but no plumbing. And so when the tub was drained, the water had nowhere to go but on the cement floor of the dungeon, where it remained until it evaporated, making the room damp and moldy. This is a nightmare! An aluminum frame chair with no seat was positioned over a pail, a crude toilet that was used to further degrade the captives. A clock radio sat on top of a filthy portable refrigerator next to a yellow extension cord which ran out from a hole in the top of the walls was an 8-inch aluminum hose that pumped warm air from the house furnace so it was hot and damp in there the two like worst things yeah to be there was also a series of calendars in which the victims systematically had to mark each day noted was the letters b s and t written on the dates investigators later discovered that these letters were made by the victims who were made to record each date they had sex, S, bathed, B, or brushed their teeth, T. The collective time span 
of the calendars covered 15 years. Police found several video recorded entries with at least one woman on the tape. In the tapes, the viewer can see James dancing, singing, and also exercising with said woman. James often told his captives that he was a part of the Onondaga, on, Onondaga. Yeah, Onondaga uh, County Sheriff's Department and had shown a fake badge he found on the street years earlier, as well as telling them that he was under certain bosses that were making him do this. He told his victims under this story uh, that it that the easier the daily rapes could occur, the faster his bosses might let the girls out. In the videotape police found, the viewer uh, can see the victim pleading with the potential, quote, bosses that it would be better if she were home. James pleaded guilty to five accounts of first-degree kidnapping and is currently serving a term of 18 years to life. Part of his guilty plea argument was that his assets would be sold off and divided among his victims. In a prison interview with MSNBC, James said that he should not be punished for what he did and that once arrested, he had thought he would at the most spend a couple of days in jail, pay a fine, or perform community service. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> he that guy. Said, he said that his lawyers had to spend many days after his arrest to make it clear to him that taking women and holding them in a dungeon is kidnapping, you fucking lunatic. <laughs> what the Jesus Christ. And that's the end <laughs> of my story. Yikes. Can you imagine being in that dungeon? No. For like two or three years? I was just imagining, like, imagine the first time that yeah. you had to go in there. You have to fucking crawl through it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like dark and it probably stinks. I meant to tell you guys something spooky to me that happened at work today. Ooh. Can I say Do you want to do sure. it? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty short. So I work at a pizza place, for those of you who don't know. And I'm this... We were really, really slow at work today. And this guy came in. This real big guy. Real tall, like, big dude. And he came in and he... Um, I took his, like, order for what uh, dough he wanted. And I was pressing it out and stuff. And then a woman walked in. And um, then I took her order, da, da 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 And while they're standing in line, like, they obviously didn't know each other at all. Mm -hmm. um, and while they're standing in line, he's, like, talking to her about pyology. Oh, shit. Pyology. Okay. Well, I work at pyology. That, that. <laughs> um, she, I was trying not to say, but whatever. Um, she, w he was, like, trying to be like oh well they have the this too and they you can do and you know they have salads and you can do this and that and blah 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 and he's like talking to her and talking to her and she like wasn't really saying anything back like you can tell she was just trying to like oh, eat yeah. a pizza uh -huh. and like leave you know yeah she was feeling pretty awkward mm -hmm. and so 
I make both of their pizzas and they go through the line. And then I notice when they got to the register, he paid for her pizza. But he was being like real weird about it. So then um, one of my managers came up to me and they were like, he asked her if she would if she would sit with him and eat the pizza like and Aww. eat together. And I was like, oh, OK, that's kind of weird. And so we were like, we'll just keep an eye out, you know, we'll mm-hmm. just keep an eye on them. So they're sitting together and his back is is towards me, but she is on the other side of the table and she's like looking right at me and she kept like staring at me. So I straight up looked at her and I mouthed, are you okay? Because I was getting freaked out. Like she was freaking me out because she was like staring at me. And I was like, are you okay? Like that. And she nodded to me. Yeah. But there was something in her eyes that was like, get me out of here type of a situation so when my manager brought her pizza she straight up got her pizza and she was like thanks to the guy and like left (laughs) (laughs) and i was like if he goes after her i'm gonna like say something i'm gonna like try and stall him but he didn't that's creepy but it was like the vibes were bad all around like Yeah, yeah and he was like he had he had those fucking the the Dahmer glasses i'm not really? even lying <laughs> yes <gasps> he had those glasses with like the thing on like the bridge on the top was, well, he was an tight. older guy um no was it j-boy <laughs> <laughs> no this guy was like huge he was like huge and this girl was like i don't know maybe like tw- like late 20s wearing like a bathing suit under her um like outfit with like a hat on like looked like just some like swim like she just got out of the pool or something she's just trying to get her pizza on and this guy is like ruining it that's creepy i don't like when people talk to me at all ever i don't know what i would do if some guy was like do you want to sit with me like i would be like oh sorry i'm waiting for someone or oh i gotta go sorry i'm in a rush you can tell though like i can i could tell i mean like i don't want to like judge her or anything but i could tell from the whole line thing when he was like talking to her that she was like really like shy kind of and like didn't know what to do or say so she probably didn't want to like hurt him or anything that's how i would be that's how i'm gonna get killed and yeah Uh, that's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it was really freaky especially because she was like staring at me like literally like this and I'm like trying to like work. And so then I finally was like, are you okay? And I felt awkward to say, but I felt like I had to be like, yeah, are yeah. you, are you, you should make sure you need something. Yeah. More napkins. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get some ranch? Oh god. And she nodded like she knew I w- why I was asking, but there was still like something in her face that was like maybe she was like acknowledging that you were keeping an eye on her. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just so like yeah. you knew. Yeah. Like 
Girls looking out for girls. I am here for that shit. And yeah. we tell anytime anything like creepy like that happens, we tell every single person we're working with so we all keep an eye on whatever mm-hmm. is going on. Does that happen often enough? It does happen sometimes. One time um, I was on a break and there was a couple in the uh, I was eating a pizza in the dining room. Like that's where I take my breaks, like where everybody else is eating. Mm hmm. And there was a couple sitting behind me, like, fighting, and it was getting, like, kind of heated, and the guy was being really, really, like, mean to her, like, straight up, like, like, calling her names, and da-da-da-da-da, and I was getting, like, real freaked out, so I got up and I told my, told everybody, like, hey, like, watch that guy, because he's, like, I was scared he was gonna friggin' beat her ass in front of everybody in the restaurant, like, that's how (sighs) heated it was getting, and I was like, well yeah band man so just know if you come to my pyology and you think you're gonna get away with something you ain't <laughs> you have except, another thing coming yeah except for the people who stole your safe oh yeah oh, <laughs> <laughs> well if i'm there <laughs> not while i'm around well I really liked your story, and I never heard of that guy, and it was really spooky. Thank you. And also, my story also has a dungeon in it, coincidentally. Mine Mine has a dungeon, too. Dungeon? A a dungeon? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what? Mine has a dungeon, too. A dungeon? Can we call this the dungeon episode? Kelly, wait, what what does yours have? Yeah, what is it? A dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) Last week when we recorded this episode, because we had to re-record it right now, but last week Kelly was telling her story and she accidentally said Jinjin and it was so cute. <laughs> and I just want Dungeons to be called Jinjins. Man, Jin-jin. I was so relieved when last week's episode got messed up <laughs> and now you're bringing it back. Of course, you knew I was, you, I had to. <sighs> Jinjins and dragons. Jinjins and dragons. Just you wait. All right. Do you want to go? Or do you want me? me to go? You can go. I'll okay. go last. Mine is a little shorty. Mine are always kind of long. So here's a shorty. It is about the Homestead Orphanage. On the 1st of July, 1963, the 154th New York covered the retreat of the Union 11 Corps through Gettysburg. The hard tacks, as they were known, fought stubbornly, and by nightfall, only 15 of 224 men had made it to Cemetery Hill, where the Union Army of the Potomac was reforming. Among the dead was an unidentified Union sergeant who'd been shot above the heart and fell in a vacant lot on the corner of York and Stratton Streets. He was found sitting up against a pump, clutching a photo of three children. This photo was the only identifying thing found on him. Newspapers caught wind of the story of the unknown soldier clutching a family photo and ran with it. The photo of the three children made the front page of several newspapers, and eventually the article was published in a little paper called The American Presbyterian. That paper had only one subscriber in the town of Porterville, New York, but that person showed the article to Mrs. Felinda Humiston, and she recognized the photo immediately. The photo was of her three children, and the dead man who died clutching the photograph was her husband, Sergeant Amos Humiston. How sad. The story became national news as soon as, and soon copies of the photo of the three children were being sold to raise support for the Humiston family, and their story raised interest in the plight of soldiers' orphans in general. 
1866, after the war had ended, a property on Baltimore Street in Gettysburg was bought with the intention of founding an orphanage. The brick building had been used during the battle by Major General Oliver O. Howard, the commanding general of the 11 Corps. And so it was that Felinda and her three children, Frank, Alice, and Fred, came to live in the building that had housed Amos's commanding general and that stood only a short walk from the sergeant's grave in the National Cemetery. Felinda became the first matron of the orphanage. After running the orphanage for several years, Felinda was called away due to other obligations, and a young woman named Rosa Carmichael took over as matron of the orphanage. As time went on, locals became suspicious of the treatment of the orphans after Rosa began keeping them from town activities like parties and parades. People saw less and less of the orphans kept in Rosa's care until one runaway was found and claimed that Rosa had been mistreating the children. Rosa hired a slew of teenage boys, according to the orphan, and armed them with sticks, ordering them to beat the children and tie them to fences for hours in the hot sun until the children were burnt and blistering. Soon, the Mm. local authorities searched the orphanage, finding many horrible things, the worst of which was the cellar, which had become known as the pit to the mistreated orphans residing there. In the pit, they discovered torture devices. Rosa Carmichael would tie their hands together and force them to stand and stand upright in vats of water until their knees buckled and they nearly drowned. The pit itself had been converted into a dungeon. Yay! Yay! That's the secret word. With shackles on the walls where children were kept and left to die. The orphanage was forced to shut down after over 20 years of being in service. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving over a hundred civil war orphans without homes made to find shelter elsewhere. Elsewhere. Rosa was convicted of child abuse, fined $20 and chased out of town. That's steep. (laughs) They chased her. Yeah. That's a funny visual. Yeah. I hope they had like torches and pitchforks. Yeah. That's Frankenstein style. Mm Mm-hmm. And or she has Shrek like style. she has like a stick with a handkerchief on the end of oh. it. Running, <laughs> running like on the one road out of town. Mm-hmm. That and would be like tight. Going over the hills and then the other hill. <laughs> She's like <laughs> She's crying. Good. I hope she was crying. Well, the orphanage. She was a B I C T H. That spells bitch. <laughs> kind of the the orphanage was reopened in the 1950s as a civil war museum but is known as one of the most haunted places in the united states because of this it's become a very popular spot for paranormal investigators to visit ghosts (laughs) thanks Lindsay. (laughs) and many stories of hauntings circulate regarding the old orphanage uh, people claim to have heard a female voice yelling, get back, get back now, and the voices of children crying. People who enter the pit often claim to smell sulfur there. Others come out of the dark and dank cellar with bites and scratches on their skin and even whipping marks as if they'd been beaten with sticks or switches. There have also been many sightings of a small black dog wandering the grounds, which sounds cute. But on closer inspection, they notice that its feet don't touch the ground. (laughs) Still cute, in my opinion. (laughs) 
upstairs in the orphanage, people have seen the visage of a Confederate soldier bleeding from the neck and chest. On the staircase, another Confederate soldier has been seen walking upstairs with a black satchel under his arm. Spooky. I thought when you, you were talking about the dog the first time that I heard that, I thought you were going to say that the dog had human hands instead of legs. That would be cute, too. Yeah. Because absolutely. then it could open doorknobs on its own. Mm-hmm. Or hold your hand. <gasps> oh. It can wear rings. You can paint oh. its nails. I just want to hold my dog's hand. It could also, like, choke you to death, though. Mm. Especially Ooh. if it's, like, an evil ghost dog. Okay. Dogs shouldn't have hands. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. Monkeys have hands. They could slap <laughs> And ya. they attack people and yeah. rip their faces off. Freaking backhand you. Have you guys heard of that chimp <laughs> that tore that lady's face off? Oh, yes, no, Travis. Travis. Travis the chimp. His name my is... Chimpanzee. <laughs> you can listen really... to the 911 call <laughs> online. Chimpanzee. That was really sad. That it, call. It was but sad the, the first call. time I heard it. It's, it's funny. I'm sorry. It's, it's horrifying. So funny. <sighs> it is. It's horrifying and sad. But the way the lady is like, she thought her, my chimpanzee, my friend is dead. Like she thought her friend was <laughs> He's dead. He's killing her. Yeah. <laughs> well, it like ate her hands and she's, feet and tore her face off. I would so think she's like, dead too. Like <laughs> she sounds like a little old lady who only has Travis like yeah. in her yeah. life. She's Lord. the kind of lady who would own a chimp. Please okay. don't have those for pets. They're not pets. <laughs> we got off track. But basically, dogs are chimps if they had hands. True. One time we were playing a game of telestrations and I drew... Uh, it. My, I got the word chimpanzee and I drew uh, a chimpanzee ripping off a lady's face <laughs> and then a lady on the phone saying, my chimpanzee! And then someone guessed Travis. Yeah, I think it was it you. Was me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, Travis. <laughs> All right, Dang. Crystal. It's my turn. Okay, baby girl is the star of the show. <laughs> I wish they could see my smile. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is my story. It also has. A dungeon, a dungeon, dungeon in it. A dungeon. A dungeon. It also has a dungeon in it. Okay, right, so a dungeon. On September tenth, nineteen ninety-five, thirty-year-old Lisa Mandarak and her one-year-old daughter Devin left their home in Limerick, Pennsylvania, to do a bit of shopping. She told her husband she would be at the Collegeville Shopping Center, just ten minutes from their home. She mentioned that she wouldn't be long at all. In fact, she didn't even bring Devin's diaper bag. Later that evening, Lisa still hadn't returned and her husband became panicked. He called family members to see if Lisa had stopped for a visit, and when they told him that she hadn't, he called the police. Lisa's husband mentioned the Collegeville Shopping Center, and so the police started their search there, where they immediately found Lisa's car parked near a clothing shop called Your Kids and Mine, but no Lisa or Devin were found. Most of the shops had closed by the time they arrived, so the police, along with family members, scoured the parking lot and the remaining open shops for Lisa, to no avail. Later that same night, a couple of joggers stumbled upon the body of a baby girl on an embankment in the woods near a hiking trail. The body was later positively identified as Devin Mandarak. She had been strangled to death and had bruises all over her body. 
With that grim discovery, police were becoming fearful that they wouldn't find Lisa alive. They called off the search for the night and began again in the nearby National Park the next day. Meanwhile, investigators began to interview people who had been around the shopping center during the time Lisa had been there. And a witness came forward to say that they had seen a woman matching Lisa's description enter the Your Kids and Mine shop that afternoon around 3.30 p.m., right as the witness was leaving the shop. <clears throat> Police traced Your Kids and Mine receipt, log receipt logs from that day and found that the witness who saw Lisa was the last purchase of the day. They decided to interview the only cashier that was working that day, 21-year-old Caleb Fairley, the son of James and Ruth Fairley, who owned Your Kids and Mine, as well as a local pharmacy. They called him and asked him to come down to the station to answer some questions. Fairley agreed to come in, but mentioned he hadn't seen anyone fitting Lisa's description come into the shop that day. During interviews with the police, it became apparent that Caleb was an awkward person. He was overweight and wore heavy makeup. He, he was bullied in school and at previous workplaces for, obsession for his obsession with vampires, dungeons and dragons, <laughs> and goth music and fashion. Nerd. How, did they say what kind of mute or what kind of makeup you wore? Um, I don't know. I'm guessing goth makeup. Goth makeup. But um, he, makeup comes back later oh, okay. in the story, so I'll tell Sorry. you. It's okay. Um, he frequented a local goth club called Asylum, where he attended shows and participated in vampire role playing. The Coven. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the Coven. <laughs> they made fun of him there too. Oh. Um, <laughs> although he frequented this club he was not always welcome there the other vampire club kids made fun of him because he was kind of a poser that's how you know oh, your man. life ain't going good yeah because the po uh, the losers are making fun of, of you a poser you're not even one of the cool vampire kids because of this he didn't have many friends and spent a lot of time alone to look or looking at violent porn and playing nerd games Ugh. nerd games violent porn and nerd games what are nerd games like dungeons and dragons and oh. <laughs> stuff um police noti uh, noticed that he was wearing particularly heavy makeup when he came into the station for his interview so they asked him to wash it off caleb reluctantly agreed once the makeup was off his face revealed many scratch marks and bruises Oh. When questioned about the marks, Caleb said that he had been to an electric hellfire show at the asylum the night before and was in the mosh pit where his face got scratched. One of those scratchy mosh pits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny because there's a Forensic Files episode about this case <laughs> and the narrator calls mosh uh calls it mosh dancing <laughs> and then he like goes on to explain that like moshing is a popular dance move during the time where a crowd of dancers slam into one another <laughs> it's so funny i love to go mosh dancing i know mosh it, dancing sounds fun it does i also slam I also, into each other i'm also curious about this um it, electric hellfire is that a band i have no i kind of want to look it up i didn't get a chance hellfire. but i'm curious maybe we'll look that up later um anyway so the police were not buying his story because to them the scratches look like perfect claw marks as if someone with long nails had taken a swipe at his face and there are pictures of him his like booking photo and you can see the scratches on his face and it totally looks like nail marks look like right up. across his face oh, you you look him up. i was looking up electric hellfire <laughs> what's his name caleb fairly 
F-A-I-R-L-E-Y. Got it. Um, on top of the doubt that police had in his story, interviews with Caleb's friends revealed, well, I guess he had a few friends. There's one um, who they interviewed for the Forensic Files episode, and he's, like, blacked out, like, in the shadows. Like, he didn't <laughs> want people to know that he was his oh friend. Oh, my God. Yeah, he doesn't look like a very... Woo! Anyway. Wait, I gotta see. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Wait, yep. let me, let me. We'll post this on the um, yeah. Instagram. So, Zam Zaddy. <laughs> so you can look at him. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, there was interviews with his friends where they revealed that Caleb told them that he got the scratches from breaking up a fight in the alley the, earlier that day. He told his friend it was a three against one fight, so he had to intervene. <laughs> so obviously the stories aren't matching up and he's yeah. trying to look fucking cool and it's not working. Oh my God. <laughs> so... Um, Police searched Fairley's room where they found an extreme amount of pornography. What is an extreme amount? I don't know. But like the uh, I think it's the district attorney Mm -hmm. on this case. Mm -hmm. He's just like in in the forensic files episode. She's just not having any shit. Like he's Mm -hmm. just like there was an extreme amount of pornography, sexual devices and other perverted stuff. He says like in the interview. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know what he means by that. What year is this? This happened in 1995 and 96. Were flashlights a thing back then? Probably. Because that's what I'm picturing. Probably. Um, He also had lots of vampire and fantasy literature as well as fantasy role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons. They also found many artist portrayals of women who looked very similar to Lisa with pale skin, a thin frame, and long dark hair. Upon searching the Your Kids and Mine shop, police found porn, blood stains, saliva, semen, and long dark hair inside the store vacuum that resembled Lisa's. They also discovered peepholes drilled into the dressing rooms, which is also creepy because it sounds like a children's clothing store. Yeah. Like Your Kids and Mine doesn't sound like a store for grownups. No. What a fucking freak. Um, So... The saliva was matched to Devin Fairley, the baby. So there was like pools of like spit on the floor and it was the baby's. Um, And the semen belonged to Caleb Fairley. Although this was not enough evidence to link him to the crime. How? um, He could just like splooging in there. Yeah, just semen in the store, whatever. Caleb Fairley began to feel the stress of his secrets piling up. He then admitted to police that he knew where Lisa's body was and offered to lead police to Lisa's body in exchange for a lighter sentence. The plea deal was accepted and the death penalty was taken off the table. He led them to an industrial park in a wooded area where the nude body of Lisa uh, Mandrak lay in a bush. Her hair was covering her face and she was posed in a sexually suggestive position. Caleb then recounted to police the events of that evening. Lisa was strangled and beaten so hard that she had broken ribs. She also had been sexually assaulted. Forensic tests revealed fibers from Caleb Fairley's shirt on her body, as well as Caleb Fairley's DNA under her fingernails. Caleb Fairley was obviously arrested and charged with two counts of murder, theft, assault, and abuse of a corpse, because he, he tried to assault her and then she fought back. 
Um, during the trial, it was revealed that Caleb was not living in real life. He was, she was his idea of a perfect woman. And when he saw his opportunity in the shop that day, he pounced on her. He locked her inside the shop and then attacked her. She fought back and this made him angry. He beat her, breaking her ribs, then strangled her to death. He then strangled baby Devin. He then sexually assaulted Lisa's body and cleaned up the shop. He drove the bodies to a remote location and tossed Devin's body down an embankment on a mountain road. He then drove Lisa's body to the industrial park where the police later located her. Because the death penalty was off the table, he would have obviously gotten that, but it wasn't mm-hmm. off. Uh, he, it was off the table. So Caleb Fairley was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences. Hopey rats. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is still alive, but he might not be. I feel like this justifies making fun of nerds and yeah. bullying people. Yeah, true. <laughs> and also, anyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons is a murderer and a creep. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely true. Absolutely. <laughs> what is the band called again? Electric Hellfire. Electric Hellfire. I want to find. Are we them. gonna listen to it? I'm I'm wondering if it's mosh music or if it's like that weird like goth like Casio shit or you know yeah that that well they're going like (laughs) all those goths dancing in like a parking lot or something yeah Hmm. and they have they have those big pants those those big jeans yeah those big those big pants those do not look comfortable could it it be the Electric Hellfire Club maybe yeah that's probably it. That sounds familiar. Let's see what can this we rename like. this podcast to that? <laughs> the Electric Hellfire Club mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious. I'm ready to mosh already. I'm scared. Is this <laughs> Malachi's fidget spinner out? Is it gonna break? Where's the breakdown? Is it gonna? When's the beat gonna drop? I know. This is really scary. This just sounds like this—the dude from your story. This just sounds like his dungeon. (gasps) Stop! Oh, here it goes. Here it goes. Oh fuck! Here it goes. Oh shit! Starting to sound like music. Honestly, I could be into this. This is good Halloween party music. Yeah. This is it. Dab. All right. Well, that guy's still a nerd. (laughs) Yeah, fucking huge nerd. But he's got great taste in music. (laughs) We're at about an hour. Do you still want to do your bugs? No. All right. Should we plug our stuff then? Yeah. Plug our stuff. First of all, we all want you to listen to the Electric Hellfire Club. Our favorite band. (laughs) Tell Uh, us what you think. Your first thoughts. Go ahead and go to our (laughs) Facebook page and let us know. Yeah, go on our uh, Instagram, which is at Brave Girls Podcast. Tell us what you think about (laughs) the Electric Hellfire Club. Yeah. Uh, Our Twitter is Brave Girls Pod, at Brave Girls Pod. Mm-hmm. Brave Girls Pod. And then our email, if you wish to contact us, is 
bravegirlspodcast at gmail.com. That's the uh, email address you can get at us with your stories for our Campfire Tales episodes. So, Is it Brave Girls Podcast or Brave Girls Club Podcast? Brave Girls Podcast. Okay. Sorry, I didn't. I don't know. I still don't know our stuff. I should probably yeah. write it down. Yeah, everything's like a little different because everything was like taken on different stuff. And then you have like a, a limit. For yeah. For Twitter. Yeah. There's like a word limit. That's why we're a pod and not a podcast. Pods are cool. I'm yeah. into pods. Yeah. You got your iPod. You got your P pod. <laughs> what other pods are there? You got your there? pod, which is those big containers that contain you know their storage containers you got the band pod mm-hmm. <laughs> all use all the pods you can think of yeah we got them you got them okay we love pods see you later um anything else i don't think so all right thanks for listening and- oh wait by oh. the way just um uh, <laughs> kelly thanks for calling me out last week on my at the end of the episode. Right before right before we went to record, Lindsay starts singing a song. I've never heard it before, but she's going at it and it sounds great. And then she tells us that it's the bra- or what the is it? Bad the Bad Girls Club, Club theme, song. theme song. And I was like, oh my gosh, you have to sing it on the podcast. And she was like, no, I don't want anyone to know that I like that show. Everyone's <laughs> going to know all the words. But it was like loud and proud, baby girl. <laughs> be yourself can you just to like send us off uh sing it but replace bad girls club with brave girls club please everyone already knows now okay i have to think about it okay (laughs) what i want i get it yeah that's right i said it Mm. living life the wish Mm. you had sugar spice and everything but 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 brave girls look so tough don't you wish you could roll with us all the haters can't get enough welcome to the brave girls club brave girls oh shit yes yeah okay bye (laughs) bye